Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. If the spirit moves you, would you be kind enough to follow, like, share, or repost? And please comment on this podcast as I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. When I was a child, my father went through a period of fascination with hypnosis. He read every book the Glendale Library had on the subject. But it was only after seeing a stage hypnotist at a local dinner show that he decided to try his hand at it. I, along with some neighborhood friends, were hanging around our house one Saturday afternoon, and my dad asked, Who wants to get hypnotized? Most of the kids excitedly said, Me, 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 me. Well, when he picked the kid he did, I assumed he must have seen some indications he was more suggestible than were the others. He swung a chain with a coin at the end, telling my friend to focus his attention on that coin. After he went through the typical induction process, Sure as hell, when he told him to sleep, my friend was out. I was a little scared now. I thought, oh, I hope he can wake him up or his mom is going to be real upset. Before bringing my friend back to waking consciousness, my dad gave him the post-hypnotic suggestion that every time he heard him say the word sandwich, he would untie his right shoelace, then retie it immediately and have no conscious recollection of this suggestion upon being reawakened. When my dad brought him back up, he immediately moved the conversation to what we should have for lunch. He suggested we could make sandwiches. Nonchalantly, my friend untied and retied his shoe. As the rest of us were roaring with laughter, my friend was confused as to why. The conversation continued with all manner of sandwich talk. What bread do you prefer? What do you want on it? And so forth. My friend tied and untied his shoelace probably six or seven times. Finally, with all us kids laughing hysterically, my dad put him back under and withdrew the suggestion. Hypnosis is real, and to an altogether unsuspecting degree, it is influencing us every single day of our life. From a very light trance say while reading a novel, or to a deeper trance while watching a horror movie or playing a video game, and to even deeper trances I'll be discussing in a few minutes and probably the next podcast. I'm using the word hypnosis here as a rubric for a whole host of phenomenon that fall under this category, like predictive or neuro-linguistic programming. I'll give you an example of an event that may fall under the heading of hypnosis, but is far from our conventional notion of it. It was demonstrated by UK hypnotist Darren Brown, who, in my opinion, with fellow Brit Paul McKenna, are the two most talented hypnotists of our time. Darren had a supermarket executive agree to join him in an experiment at one of their stores. This executive's job was to oversee store design, meaning he would determine the layout of the store and how each department would flow into the next. I'm sure most people understand this is not done by happenstance. A supermarket's layout is designed to maximize sales, which includes many factors and the predictability of shopping patterns being a major one. To start the process, Darren sent an envelope to the executive's office six days prior to the scheduled meeting at the store. He was instructed not to open the envelope, but to bring it on the day they were to meet. So, this envelope sat on the executive's desk for six days. Given his job and what he knew Darren's job to be, 
the executive assumed the envelope contained some kind of prediction by Darren. Upon meeting at the store, Darren gave the executive a map of the store aisles and a shopping cart. He asked him to take his time and to be sure and shop many of the aisles, but to select just one item. Then return to the front of the store at the agreed upon time. As the executive began his shopping trip, Darren surreptitiously put a sticky note on his back which said, I'm off to buy vinegar. About a half hour later, Darren joins the executive at the front of the store. The executive informs Darren that he was making a green salad for his co-workers and that he needed some balsamic vinegar. And so, that is the one item he decided to select. At this point, Darren asked him to open the envelope. In it was just a blank sheet of paper, a red herring. Darren then pulls the sticky note from his back, the one that says, I'm off to buy vinegar, and hands it to the executive. The man in charge of soft manipulation was manipulated into buying one item out of about 80000 He was impressed and confused. But how was this done? On the outside of the envelope sent to the executive was what looked like a random flowchart. It was not random at all. It was a reproduction of a portion of the store map, a route to the vinegar where an X was placed. At the beginning of the shopping experience, when the executive was given the entire map of the store, he followed the route diagrammed on the envelope he had been staring at for six days. The X, which marked the end of the route, was the eight-foot section of vinegar. This kind of mind programming is happening all around us. Hypnosis is the foundation of the advertising industry. One way to know if you are engaging in an activity that lends itself to a trance state, look for advertisers. If they are there, beware. That activity can be hypnotic. Why do you think we have billboards? While driving, who has not passed their exit because they were deep in thought? Deep in thought, in this case, is another way of saying hypnotized. Count the number of food, car, and pharmaceutical commercials you see while watching a TV show. They are paying lots of money for those ads. And why? A 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl last year cost $5.6 million. Do you believe companies would pay this kind of money without a handsome return on their investment? Politicians use hypnotic speak all the time. In fact, speakers of all stripes can ethically employ some of these techniques to significantly improve their effectiveness as communicators. In an earlier podcast, I talked about developing one's own rhetorical devices. That dealt solely with one device, often referred to as power or hot words. These are words that are preloaded with more meaning than the word's literal definition meaning that these words carry a high emotional charge for either the speaker themselves or for the audience to whom they are speaking. There are scores of rhetorical devices. The three most often used are metaphors, anaphora, which is repetition, and hypnotic themes. Hypnotic themes are concepts that are universally known and typically have fixed definitions in society. These can be good or evil, positive or negative, 
a positive hypnotic theme would be the concept of freedom. A negative one would be terrorism. Okay, by this point, people not so familiar with hypnosis may be asking just how it works. Before I answer that, I'll answer the all-important why question. Why are governments, institutions, companies, politicians, salespeople, and the list goes on and on looking to hypnotize us? The answer, they want access to the subconscious mind. And to get there, you must bypass the gatekeeper, the conscious mind. Neuroscience has conclusively shown that most of our decisions, actions, emotions, and behaviors depend on the 95% of brain activity that lies beyond conscious awareness, meaning that at least 95% of our life experience comes from the programming in our subconscious mind. That's our engine room. Hypnosis is achieved by bypassing the critical faculties of the conscious mind and gaining direct access to the subconscious mind. Or with the supermarket executive, this can be subtly accomplished with imagery or language which invokes an unconscious association. The best illustration of how the conscious mind can be bypassed would be the rapid handshake induction pioneered by Milton Erickson. I'll put a video link in the podcast notes. The hypnotist interrupts a normal handshake by taking the hand of the subject and placing their palm directly in front of their face. Typically, a handshake is an unconscious routine behavior. But by interrupting this pattern, the subject momentarily gets confused. During this split second of confusion, while the subconscious mind is searching for the appropriate response, the amygdala, which is part of the limbic system, the most primitive part of the brain, and the one responsible for the flight, fight, or freeze response, hijacks the frontal lobe. The subject freezes, and the hypnotist commands them to sleep. The frontal lobe is the chief executive of the brain complex, the crowning jewel of cerebral evolution and is designed to be in charge. Once the frontal lobe is hijacked or bypassed, the subject loses control to varying degrees of their cognitive skills, problem solving, rational judgment, etc. In other words, they are in a highly suggestible state of mind because the boss is not in charge. With the boss otherwise engaged, the subject now takes their cues from the perceived leader, the hypnotist. This only works because the subject believes the hypnotist has power over them, and they only believe this because the chief executive was was disabled or bypassed. Up to this point, I've been discussing mostly the negative or entertainment applications of hypnosis. But hypnosis also has some unbelievable positive applications. Many people have quit smoking, lost weight, cured insomnia, resolved anxiety, or have found relief from chronic pain due to hypnosis. Increasingly, psychologists and psychiatrists are referring their patients to hypnotherapists. The process is the same. The conscious mind is bypassed, but this time to install a positive set of new beliefs into the subconscious operating system. Beliefs that will support the behavior, goals, or outcome the subject desires. Another form of hypnosis taking place all around us is group hypnosis. The induction methods change, but the fundamentals remain the same. I've already talked about the role of the amygdala with respect to flight or fight, but this is also the part of the brain responsible for the emotion of fear, 
sexual arousal, storing of memories, and the bonding of offspring. When the intensity of any precept or emotion within the bailiwick of the amygdala reaches a certain level, the gatekeeper gets bypassed and group hypnosis becomes possible. Add in the phenomenon of groupthink and peer pressure and we have a highly suggestible group. Cable news stations probably provide the best example of group hypnosis. I've placed quote marks around the word news. There is a large segment of our population that watches cable television at least for a few hours every day. And they do so day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. Do you think this has had any impact on how they see the world? Repetition, remember, is a powerful hypnotic technique. I'm not trying to insult any listener of this podcast by saying that if you fall into this category, you're brainwashed or hypnotized. What I am saying is that these cable outlets are attempting to brainwash or hypnotize their viewers. Let's look at their induction techniques. Number one, fear is omnipresent on these stations. If Trump wins re-election, we'll have an authoritarian dictator. Mothers, call in your daughters. If Biden wins, it's official. We are a communist country. We will be nothing more than a vassal state of the CCP. Number two, your offspring are in danger. Democrats support infanticide and are flooding our country with terrorists through their open border policy. They are supporting riots in the streets. They secretly fund Antifa. Republicans are white supremacists who want to bring back Jim Crow. Elect them and we'll be swinging from the trees. The Proud Boys and Oath Keepers are insurrectionists. Number three, the use of hypnotic themes. We must infringe on civil liberties, otherwise we will be attacked by terrorists. The implicit or explicit references to Hitler, slavery, Che Guevara, and Castro are all used so an unconscious association to them will be made to current events or politicians. Number four, censorship. This is probably the most obvious example of attempted hypnosis. One can't consider an opinion or fact of which they are not aware. Fauci is a villain to Fox News viewers. And MSNBC viewers have never heard of one of this country's most renowned vaccinologists, Dr. Robert Malone. Certainly, there are facts interspersed throughout these broadcasts, but the structure in which the arguments are framed, the methods in which they are presented, and the inflammatory rhetoric these cable stations use are designed to stimulate the limbic portion of the brain. When this is accomplished, we are in a state of high suggestibility, and therefore more amenable to the propaganda-laced news they are advancing. MSNBC has convinced a good portion of their audience that people who watch Fox News are complete nutballs. Fox News has convinced a good portion of their audience that the people who watch MSNBC are complete nutballs. Propaganda at its best. Mission accomplished for the marionettes. I'm not suggesting for a second that strongly held beliefs are necessarily the result of hypnotic programming. 
if the beliefs were arrived at after critical thinking and an intense analysis of the credible counter-arguments, these of course would be legitimately well-reasoned beliefs. Of the many problems with these cable stations is that other than an obligatory or superficial reference to the opposing views, they don't broadcast an in-depth counter-argument. And why would they? They are aligned with a political duopoly assigned to advocate solely for one side, while competing stations are assigned to advocate solely for the other side, giving the illusion that the current ruse of Republican versus Democrat is legitimate. Secondarily, they exist to make money, not to dispense news. They want their viewers all revved up, and the advertisers, well, they just love it. That's why night after night we can witness the insanity of propagandists expending all this energy preaching to the already converted. Fear not. There is a remedy. I remember reading a story about a lady who loved to garden. She lived in an urban neighborhood with about 1,600 square feet of garden. After a few years, she had maximized the horizontal space, so she expanded her garden vertically by adding trellises and climbing vines. Still wanting to add to her garden, she moved into the dimension of time by adding in the same space flowers that bloom at different times, tulips in March, lilies in June, and mums in October. After exhausting the three dimensions of space and the one of time, her garden required much less time for planting. She became increasingly more observant of it. Now she was expanding her garden by adding the dimension of awareness. She would sit for hours noticing the insects and the different birds that the different plants would attract and how the seasons influenced these visitors, how temperatures impacted colors, she began to see her guard in a whole new way. What are these advertisers of TV shows trying to sell? What kind of metaphors and imagery are being used? Count how many Humera commercials you notice in one day. Does the show start by scaring you to death? Make yourself consciously aware there is a scantily clothed woman in her childbearing years standing next to a car they are trying to sell you. Count how many violent video images that are broadcast in an hour. Is there a hurricane, a wildfire, or an asteroid heading your way? Yes, by expanding into the dimension of awareness, we can thwart the attempt to hijack our minds. Next week, I'll move from group hypnosis to mass hypnosis. What an eye-opener that will be. For my part, that's all there is, except for this. Please share follow, or repost, and please comment on this podcast. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bowlines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds. We're on the move now. We are excited to announce the launch of an odyssey into oratory from speaker to spellbinder. This new dynamic and interactive speech training program was created specifically for the changing world we find ourselves in. In a business career spanning 40 years, from bagging groceries all the way to the executive suite, Dan has attended and delivered several hundred presentations and speeches. Throughout his odyssey, he has completed several prestigious executive speech programs. He is a four-time graduate of the Dale Carnegie course and a decades-long Toastmaster. 
But most of all, he is a lifetime student of the great orators, past and present. In combining his years of experience, study, and training, he has distilled and synthesized these lessons to create an online seven-week training course. While this course can benefit anyone looking to acquire or improve their public speaking skills, it was designed specifically for those working in a corporate or entrepreneurial environment. With his vast experience in the marketplace, Dan's students will receive insights and communication strategies that are not offered in the traditional speech training program. It is an integrated course in that it includes many other components of personal development that will transform good speakers into spellbinders. For more information on how to enroll in Dan's course, From Speaker to Spellbinder, contact us at anodysseyintooratory at gmail.com. Additionally, you can find Dan's blog at spiritualsideofsuccess.blog.